everyone. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. This is Pastor Matt, and this is part two of our deconstruction conversation. Due to the length of our original conversation, we ended up splitting this into two parts. So if you didn't listen to the first part yet, I'd recommend you do that first. But this is the second part. Hope that you enjoy it. Let's kind of shift here where we were talking about things that have contributed, things the church can needs to improve on but let's kind of go the other side where because we already are starting to go there if you are in a place for those who are going through a deconstruction right being able to have that nuanced conversation about faith the going with that deconstruction theme are you bulldozing or are you deconstructing because yeah if you're deconstructing you should be able to understand that because somebody hurt me in church doesn't invalidate Christianity right because somebody tried to manipulate me at the altar when I was praying because we're Pentecostal when this happens right uh, that doesn't mean Jesus didn't rise from the dead right those people that listen if someone's trying to manipulate you at the altar that is foul absolutely it's that wrong is foul. Yeah. that is wrong we're not, like we're not saying I say we there I would say some people because I understand that the reality is if I have to say that if we, the reality is this, there are some people who are definitely not going about this right, and there are some people, though, who are going about this. Sorry, there are some people who are going about it wrong, some people who are going about it right. And the people who are, are, who are going about it wrong, absolutely, man, throw that away. If, you know, if there is manipulation and abuse, um, you know, of power, uh, sex, you know, uh, money, any type of those things, yeah, throw that junk away and you and, and i get it you you're saying well, why is this stuff even in the church well some of the reason why it's in the church is because people are messy yeah. and jacked up and they need jesus and i'm not i'm not, i don't want to sit here and elevate myself above anybody what i want to communicate effectively is that the sin nature is real yeah it's real and so but we also understand as pastors, as leaders, we are called to walk differently. Uh, unfortunately, there are some people who are who hold that seat and occupy that position of influence incorrectly. And that definitely needs to be dealt with. There are some of us, though, who are walking according to the scriptures, humility with patience, you know, uh, heart, but heart, soul and mind trying to give our very best to it. And so. In that, and even those people make mistakes. You're absolutely correct. Yes, <laughs> yes. I will. I will 100% lean into that. I yeah. I've I've made mistakes. There are things that I think too. I was just having a conversation with somebody last week about just like the evolution of how we talk about, um, you know, um, um, swimsuits in the youth group. Um, you know, sin. You know, the eye lust in the youth group. We've we've totally revamped our language. A lot of that because, you know, we've been able to grow, you know, and have those conversations and really dissect. Is this a gospel principle? Is this really coming from the heart of Scripture or is this because we want to have control? We've had to we've had to do a deconstruction in a, in, a, in a manner of speaking about the way we speak about those things so that we come from a biblical perspective where the onus is not necessarily on the swimsuit, but the person who has lust in their heart. Right. So but. At the same time. I'm just going to say this. I'm probably going to get in trouble, but whatever. I can't get there if cancel culture beats me to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I can't get to a place of like, okay, we need to revamp this. If cancel culture comes for me first and is like, you're trash. Like, yeah. okay, well, can I have some, like, maybe growth? You know, like, into <laughs> yeah, change yeah. and transformation here? 
uh, you know, recognize, hey, this is not right. We're, you know, we're going to shift away from this. And so I can do that and still hold on to the fact that God is good. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Yeah. I can still hold on to the fact that, um, as, as Paul says in, in Timothy, you know, I am, I am the worst of sinners, and yet God is displaying his unlimited patience with me in the way that he is growing me. And I think that that should also be, I don't know, I think that element should be present and allowed. But Yeah, yeah, no, so I think, again, it's, it's having that nuanced un- understanding of, <clears throat> you know, look, uh, people hurt other people. So that's going to be inside the church and outside the church. That's a reality. It's also a nuanced understand- and understanding, like you were saying, there are pastors who have done bad things, but I need to also recognize there are many, actually I'd, I'd go as far as saying many, many, many more pastors that are doing the right things. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so just because there are some doing wrong doesn't mean they're all doing right. And then also even knowing, I get, like you said, Pastor Todd, hey, they're not perfect. You know, like I know somebody one time who was like, all pastors are crooked. And it was like, all pastors are crooked. What about me? Well, not you. What about what about this pastor? Well, he's not. Well, what about this one? Well, he's not either. Okay, so all pastors are crooked except for all the ones that aren't. Well, yeah, me too. I agree. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like right. And this is where I, I, I think generally we get it wrong in so many different areas, but we have to hold people accountable, not necessarily people groups. Yeah. Mm, that's a good like, way to put it too. Like if this person has done something wrong, hold that person accountable. But don't say, well, they're a part of this particular group, so therefore the whole group is bad. Mm. And we do that all the time with all sorts of things. We do that with race. We do that with with political. We do that with police. religion, with police. We do that with a whole lot of different things. Yeah. And I think if we could get away from painting with broad strokes and say, this particular person did something that hurt me, and so I need to deal with with this particular person, my feelings about that person and not say that they speak for everybody. So can and I, I guess push? that's well, I just want to say to add to that, that to me is the nature of deconstruction. That's what I'm saying. It's easier to paint the broad brush. It's easier to say all people are like this. But when to me, you're saying I'm going through a deconstruction, that's what I'm saying. My whole life I've asked questions like this. But you have to be able to make the separations. That's, to me, what it means. Because if it doesn't mean that, it just means bulldozing or it just means rejecting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean deconstructing. So, but what you were going to So, yeah, back. let me push back a little bit and, and just ask the question that I think, if I'm a listener, I'm going to ask, okay, well, what about the things within some of those groups that seem to be prevalent? You know, those things that seem to be a generality and a truth, or, you know, that like there's a truth to stereotypes. Uh, well, I guess what I'm saying. Say uh, so I'm going to I I mean, I said police. And then immediately I'm thinking to myself, somebody's going to push back and be like, yo, no, but police do definitely need to be checked about this, this, this and this. Pastors need to be checked about this, this and this, and this. Somebody's going to say the Catholic Church needs to be checked about this, this, this and this. And, you know, we have evidence of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm, again, I'm not trying to come against the church. We have evidence of all these Catholic priests doing these things and like this, this, I could easily throw this. It looks systemic. It is systemic. So then how can, you know, you say hold a person accountable, but look at how many of these guys are, you know, bring brought. So how, you know what I mean? So you, it sounds nice to, to look at it on an individual basis, but sh- doesn't this speak to a greater 
issue if so many of them have the same issues. You mean well, the greater issue of sin rampant in people? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no there's no excuses <laughs> sure. for that, but nuanced conversation means the rate at the discovery of what was going on and has was going on in the Catholic Church is not any more than any other organization of of sexual abuse going on in the Catholic Church. And when the whole Me Too movement started, that was when it came out all about like all these Olympic athletes, all these women that were taking advantage. That that's where that started, and then it, you know, grew beyond that. And so, uh, I'm not making excuses. I'm not saying nothing should be done. The opposite. Th- this must be addressed in the church, in the Catholic Church. Accountability needs to be had. But the nuanced conversation of saying, yeah, well, it's systemic in the Catholic Church. It's not more there than somewhere else in that sense and, and, and which doesn't and mean which I, doesn't mean oh and, so when we see it we shrug our shoulders i am not saying that right I'm not and, saying but, but then how do you change systemic issues you hold people accountable right and i understand yeah. that i guess i understand that i guess uh, so let me go you hold people accountable but doesn't it seem problematic that so many people have this issue and the idea is I'm, again i'm just pushing back here the idea is that it's reduced to it's a sin issue as opposed to like, like yes okay the church is a bunch of sin pe- sinners coming to know jesus christ by the grace and mercy well, of jesus yeah. christ so but now when you're in leadership okay this is what the standard should be so to me, I, I'm 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 not saying me specifically. I'm just trying to follow the yeah, thread yeah. of thought that I think somebody would follow. It, to me, like leadership is different. Okay, I'm not saying you're not uh abs- you're not uh that sin is how am I trying to word it? Not saying that you can't have sin in your heart that Jesus Christ needs to deliver you from. However, if this is I know what I'm trying to say, but I'm like fumbling over my words. I feel really bad. You, I feel like the standard should be different if you're at this place. And the fact that it is so prevalent well, at that I, level so is problematic. I don't know, just to reduce it down to like, oh, it's a sin issue. Like but everyone it, has this. It's kind of like, I feel like that's shortchanging a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? A little bit, some of that issue. But then we run in again to, you're saying it's so prevalent, so prevalent, and people will say that. But the only things we ever hear about are the people failing. We don't hear about the people who are all the time making the right choices. Right, and but I, should I give you yeah. a cookie for doing what you're supposed to do? No, no, no. So I, th- I think. But I think I'm not saying give them a cookie yeah, for doing no, what no, they're I'm supposed just, to be doing. Again, I'm just, I'm, I'm just throwing out. I'm all saying these. if you look at if, if the issue is you're saying all these things are prevalent, they're only prevalent because they've come to your to your vision. But there are a whole lot of other stuff where it hasn't been issues. So it's prevalent in specific people. That doesn't necessarily mean it's prevalent across the board. And I, what I want to just say is I think this is the tension mm-hmm. of the church and leadership. I don't think that there's an answer to solve this because take Ravi Zacharias. I think that's the tension of, okay, God used him. He did a lot of good work. He influenced people uh, in a lot of good ways, but this also happened. You can have the perspective, and, and, and I'm saying because I think this is a tension. This is why it's an example to me. Well, look. If not for the grace of God, therefore, there go I, you know, we could all struggle with sin. If I let sin out of my life get out of control, who knows if I could make the same decisions and be and hurt people the same way. 
that is part of the church to have that level of understanding and grace because we all have sin. On the flip side to what you're saying, Pastor Jamal, when you're in that kind of leadership and to reduce the way he hurt people, the serial nature of it, the manner that he did it, to say, well, I probably could do that too, is minimizing it in a way and minimizing the pain of others in a way and lowering the bar of holiness that Jesus calls us to. Mm. And so I'm saying that there isn't a hard answer to what you're bringing up. I would say that is the tension that we have to live in as being the kingdom of God. I I hear what you're saying, and part of me almost wants to be like, nah. Like, uh, and, and the reason why I say nah is because the seat is holy, right? So the idea that, like, because the seat is holy, the idea that's like, ah, oh, man, this is such a hard one. I don't know if we have a, an answer for that. That that might be part of the someone on the outside who isn't deconstruction could say that's part of the problem. Why don't we have an answer for that? Like, why is there not like a conversation or some sort of um, system uh, to to make sure that these type of guys and gals, you know, whatever, aren't aren't. But no, but so these seats, so right? deconstruction, nuanced conversation. Yeah, yeah. There is a conversation happening about Ravi Zacharias. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about tension of the seat. I'm talking about tension of the situation because of what's happened. How do we extend grace and understanding and forgiveness and hold him accountable and hold others accountable? Nuanced conversation. Ravi Zacharias's organization is being dissolved. Because how do we have accountability? There was nobody above Zach- Ravi Zacharias, and unlike the Catholic Church, where there's a pope, there's one guy in charge of the whole thing. Christianity, well, Jesus is the head, but in a spiritual sense right now, Jesus is not physically reigning here. So I have no influence over Ravi Zacharias or his organization, neither does the deconstruction person who's having a problem with this. And so Ravi's organization (laughs) is deconstructing. They're dissolving Mm -hmm. as a result. And so that's where I'm saying I think you do, or what you're bringing up, Pastor John, I think you have to recognize if— and I'm just using him as an example, mm-hmm. Ravi. You recognize that these things are happening in the Ravi situation. How do we prevent that moving forward? Well, there isn't a law that we can pass that all Christians everywhere will now live to higher accountability. But where we are, we have to make sure that this accountability is taking place. So that's what I'm saying about attention. I don't that's what I mean. It's not an escape from it. It's but it's like recognizing a reality. On both sides. So recognize the reality of the holiness of the seat, like you said, the wording you used. But also recognize that Ravi is being punished like for what he's doing. That's why people are talking about we can't quote him anymore. We can't do this anymore. If the church 10 years from now is still kind of like throwing around his books saying, well, this guy's the best. Just get over the whole thing that he did because we, we forgive around here. That does look more like what you're describing mm-hmm. and like that's a problem. Yeah, I, I think that there are people who would, who are in that space right now, and I think that some people are taking issue with that. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, and that's the re- reality. Right? Yeah. And I think ultimately, as Christians, we believe he has been held accountable for those things. And more so than any human court could ever hold him accountable. Mm. And and that is actually, that's a, an important perspective you bring up. Jeez. That again, again, not not as an excuse, um, which no, uh, you and, can take and, that way, and and that's not at all. When I'm talking about like even before, when you're talking about uh, these things are so prevalent, or whatever, I'm not trying to dismiss those bad things. In fact, I think the reality is we have to acknowledge that those things happen. But I'm also saying that 
because it happens in some high-profile people, that doesn't mean it happens for every believer. Right. And I think it would go a long way if high-profile people, which are the ones that we see all the time, are held accountable for those things. Mm -hmm. But I think within through all of this stuff, too, you got to acknowledge that these are issues across the board, whether it's in church or outside of church. You know what I mean? These are things that we as a culture are struggling with. I think these are things that have gripped the human race. And becoming a believer, and this is not an excuse, but becoming a believer doesn't automatically wipe away our humanity. We still have to wrestle with the fact that these the natural tendency of the human heart is to rebel against God's law. And we need each other to stand with each other to overcome those things. To have the grace of God applied to our lives means other people need to speak into our lives. And across the board, humanity does not like others speaking into our lives and calling us out and holding us accountable. And I think that maybe one of the things I'm just thinking practically that globally the church can do is maybe start to think about the way we talk about sin in ourselves and in others, in ourselves first. I think Jesus says, why am I worried about the speck in my brother's eye when I have a plank coming out of my own? Mm -hmm. And I think if you are seed, David Hurtwick once said it like this, if I'm more offended about someone else's sin more than my own, I'm doing it wrong. And I, that's stuck with me. It's a good quote. I, that, like that's stuck with me. It has never left me. Like, and I'm not saying I'm giving excuses for other people's sins. Wow, that's really good. I'm taking a minute to pause and think about my own <laughs> and say, okay, you know, like, like, and cause the reality is even in, you know, the sins in my life right now, if I stand before God right now, the one thing I would want from him is mercy. Yeah. Like, and that's what anybody I think would want. But the minute I start to demonize someone else and their sins without taking a hard look at my own, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm, that's a swing and a miss for me. And again, I'm not making excuses for anybody else. I just am making the posture about myself first. <laughs> you know and, what I'm saying? And getting my stuff together. But uh, in those same lines, too. We want mercy for ourselves, but when we do offer mercy to others, people are offended by that too. Mm. Well, and that's what I wanted to say is God mm. God extends incredible grace to us. Yeah. God is also a God of justice. Yes, he is. And so us being in the church, representing his kingdom on earth before Jesus ultimately comes back and rules himself, yeah. we need to figure out what does it look like to extend grace and also to stand up for justice? Yeah. And it's hard and you probably lean towards one or the other, depending on if, your feelings, the situation, the person, your background, all those things. So if, in the case of Robbie, you may lean more towards the Well, we just got to watch it. And, 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 and when you read to the old Testament, a lot of times God's issues were the Israelites where they weren't operating within justice. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's like you're cheating people with your scales. You're doing these things, and I hold that against you. So, so that is one of the things that is close to God's heart is that there is not favoritism, that there is not like a sense of like, like, well, you can do these things and mistreat others because you have and they don't or those things like yeah. th- those were things that God. I, I mean, when you read through like I, uh, Isaiah, when he's like, what more could have I done with my vineyard? Some of the things that he says are against the Israelites were that you did not treat the foreigners in your midst. Right. You did. You used unfair scales and balances. Yeah. You know, I think. This is just another thing I think the church could stand to do. I think in terms of the deconstruction ideas movement is we we've got to get back to preaching and teaching biblical doctrines. Scripture. Like you have like like um, I want to be careful. I don't want to say I want to be careful. I think we got to the content of our messages need to be rooted in scripture that amplify the framework not the decor the uh, like amplify the framework of the of the bride of christ of the church building not the decor um i think that's where you find some of these people struggling is we're not teaching these things we're not preaching these things all the time and we're not making these things a focus um you know my kids now they're like man you know i can go on instagram and watch this person and this person and this person and this person some of them are great some of them are given stuff that i probably would be like meh you know like and but i find that like sometimes the stuff that's like meh that's where everybody's like yeah man this is great and i'm like well it's not really bolstering the things i think are critical <laughs> you know yeah. to, to the faith and so i think you know if the church could get back get back to that you know um helping people to have a biblical understanding of this like so right now our we're sorry right now we're in a series in the youth group where we want it's about identity and we want our students to understand who they are flows out of who god is but we can't talk about who they are unless we talk about who god is so we make god the center of the story and allow for who god is to affect who they become and who they can be so but I think and I think that the church as a whole could stand to maybe do some deconstructing <laughs> of some messages that might have been the reverse of that. Like, you know, uh, let's get rid of some of that stuff and get back to some biblical principles. So people are like, oh, yeah, that's right. This very much is about God. Uh, and my you know, life is a response to who he is. This is kind of another way of saying it. it's, it's not totally, but it segues to something I wanted to add you know, we need to help people's faith mature, right? Mm -hmm. And so, especially when you're young, we talk about the fruit that we want people to produce, but then when that becomes the content or the, you know, the major content of the, what we're preaching, what we're emphasizing, now we're missing, like you said, the framework, and we're only focusing on the decor. Uh, I think that was a good distinction. So, it's okay to teach kids on their level what they need to understand about what faith looks like. Correct. But then as you become a teenager, you need to learn what faith looks like as a teenager. And so as an adult, the world is not that simple. My feelings are not that simple. Relationships are not that simple. So living out my faith must mature in that way. And as the church, we need to stop approaching faith 
in a childish way because we just want the childish fruit, you know? And then that, that's the other thing I wanted to add. I got this from Andy Stanley, but he talks about the difference between childlike faith and childish faith that Jesus described our faith should be childlike, not childish. And so for, again, many of us that you may feel you're going through a deconstruction process or I'll put it this way, many of us grow up with a childish faith instead of a childlike faith. So then when we grow older and we have adult problems, our childish faith is not enough right. to get us through those adult problems. I think it's a really great perspective. And so one, if you are in a place of deconstruction or questions, that's a really important perspective. So find a way to mature your faith. And then agreeing with what you just said, Pastor Mo, I think as a church, it's just another, perhaps another way to say it, we need to help people's faith mature. Yeah which involves everything we've talked about so far, asking some questions or allowing questions, not aligning ourselves politically. A childish level of faith is like, well, if you're Christian, you're Republican. Well, if you're Christian, you're Democrat. If you're Christian, you're this. That's that's not even childlike. That's childish to believe that that's my faith. That's immature faith. And um, if you are asking questions... Th- the beautiful thing about Christianity is we have a long, rich history of people who have asked questions and wrestled through some of these issues. Um, I know sometimes people say, well, how come we're not talking about this, talking about that? But the truth is, all throughout Christian history, people have been talking about similar issues. Yes. And when you take time to, to read, and some of it's not easy reading because some of it is deep intellectual thinking. Some of it is stuff that's written in older language, so it's harder to understand. But Christianity has a history of people who have wrestled with issues, the issues of humanity, and then said, okay, here's how we can understand these things in light of Scripture. Um, And there's people who are a little bit more modern who do that. Uh, uh, Like, I look at um, a man named J. Warner Wallace, who was a police detective who tried to wrestle through, is this Jesus guy right? I'm going to use my detective skills to look at the evidence presented in scripture and other places and find out if Jesus is true. And he wrote a book called cold, cold case Christianity, where basically he investigated the same way he would investigate a cold case and came to the conclusion. All the evidence is there is that Jesus was who he says he is. You have people like Philip Yancey who wrestled with hard questions. Like um, he wrote a book, the the Bible that Jesus read and kind of gets back to some of the scriptures. He he wrestles with how he came to faith. Um, you have C.S. Lewis who wrestles with some hard questions. He wrestles with the idea of suffering as he watched his wife die, you know, and how God fits into that. So there are people who have definitely gone before us who have wrestled with these things, and we just got to take the time to find it. There, There's modern people. You go on YouTube and, and look for some solid apologeticists who have who wrestle with these things and say look at what scripture says and they don't read into an opinion you know they look at things within context because context really matters a lot we're not alone in these struggles to understand our faith and if we lean on those who who throughout time has wrestled with these things, maybe we can find some of the answers we're looking for because they address maybe the not the exact same issue, but issues that speak into those things. So let me wrap all this up. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about this and 
Actually, may just split this into two episodes because it's been a lot. It's yeah, no, hey, that would be dope. Um, so two for two for today. Yeah, yeah, I think we may do it. But uh, let let me wrap it up by saying this: it's a really great discussion, guys. Um, we could talk more. Uh, you know, I have I think there's more we could even say about this. So absolutely, I'll throw this out there. If you are listening and you know you want more about this, you can still submit a question to us. You know, through the podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, I actually don't have the link handy, but it's wherever you listen. If you go to Anchor, uh, I'm not going to try to find it now. I'll, I'll just post it in the notes. But you can submit a question. We want to be a resource, you know, when it comes to this stuff. So hopefully this you found this helpful. Um, again, we can return to it, though. But also some resources to check out because you already named some of them, Pastor Todd. Uh, we have Right Now Media. Our church pays for that. And there are some apologetics resources on there. Jay yep. Warner Wallace, who you referenced, is on there. Francis he's, Chan's yeah, got, he's got some cool stuff. Francis Chan, Sean McDowell's on there. Sean McDowell's good, too. If you want to know a little bit more specific to, say, deconstruction in this conversation, I would recommend somebody named Elisa Childers. Mm-hmm. She's Zoe girl. If that's on my list. (laughs) So she went, she, she'll describe all this deconstruction process. She went to a progressive Christian church and asked her some tough questions, spiraled out of control, her faith. Um, But anyway, she's a Christian now and she talks a lot about these issues. So you can YouTube her or check out her podcast. Also, um, somebody who's been helpful for me is Phil Vischer, Bob the tomato. (laughs) So if you grew up in church, you know Bob the Tomato. Well, he now has a podcast. He's a little sarcastic, so just kind of get ready for that. But he has a podcast called The Holy Post Podcast. He's talked about some of this stuff as well. And it's been, again, very helpful for me. Last one I want to throw at you is Reasonable Faith with William Lane Craig. That's just my guy. I listened to his weekly podcast for the last like, 10 years and watched all of his videos and all of his debates. And <laughs> So if you like apologetics. But actually, just kidding. I have one more I want to say. If you are going through this yourself you have a loved one going through this maybe you just have questions whatever never be afraid to ask your pastor and to talk to your pastor we're talking about changing the narrative we're talking about how not asking questions has been a thing for a long time and we're doing this podcast because hey it's great to talk about it and hopefully it helps it helps you but you got a question about scripture you got a question about faith you got a question about how we do things or i've always wondered this that the other thing your pastor is here as a resource and so ask your pastor um, don't be afraid to do that. So uh, it's been a lot of fun, guys. Really appreciate your time. Sorry, I know this is a long one, but uh, thanks for listening. Guys, thanks for being here. This has been Pastor Matt. Pastor Jamal. Pastor Todd. And we'll see you next time. See you.